Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. We've been in a teaching or started a teaching, excuse me, two weeks ago out of the book of Nehemiah. And I want to pick up today and uh, even some of the things that I'm sharing with you this morning about being an influence in leadership we see in the life of Nehemiah. Um, We're talking about a guy that had a burden on his heart to build a great work for God. And he did not have people around him. His position was serving the king. And here he goes back to his homeland. In a very short amount of time, people rally around him because he was an influence. It's amazing. And what took 70 years to try and build up this wall, Nehemiah accomplished in 52 days. Simply because he had a heart for God. It's amazing when you have a heart for God, how much quicker you're able to accomplish things that you've been trying to do in your own strength for years and years and years. And you're wondering, why am I not seeing any progress taking place? But there is something about when your heart is in a place or a posture of surrender before the Lord, that now God empowers you with his presence, with his favor to complete that good work. I'm here to tell you this morning, to encourage you this morning, that there's an assignment for your life. We talked about this two weeks ago, but there's an assignment for each of our lives. And the Lord wants you to fulfill that assignment through his word for your life. Now, how many of you know this year the Lord's given us a word for the house? Okay. All right. I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to me this morning. Well, Lord, I thank you for giving a word for this house. I'm going to flourish, baby. (laughs) But God's called us to flourish this year. God's called you to flourish this year. And it's not going to happen by just happenstance. It's going to happen because you are willing to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Nothing just happens for the sake of happening. But any great work came out of a burden. Those of you remember that we're taking notes several weeks ago. It comes out of a burden on your life. And from that burden, you're willing to build upon that. And through that building process, the blessing comes. Nothing happens in life without a burden first. Anybody that's ever invented something saw a need. They felt a burden. And therefore, they were willing to build upon that burden. Or they were innovative. Or they were creative. Or they came up with something to be able to be an answer to the problem. A solution to the problem. And out of that solution it became a blessing to those that participated in that. And you can apply that to anything. The very chair that your butt is sitting in this morning. Think about it if no one ever created a chair. We'd all be sitting on the ground. Wouldn't be very comfortable. But someone felt the burden. We need to have our tushes elevated. (laughs) Our backs being able to sit up straight and and out of that burden something was built and now you're sitting in the blessing right now amen (laughs) i know it's 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 a it's a little cheesy but but you get the picture nehemiah felt the burden that these walls that were surrounding the temple of god needed to be built up and so he was willing to roll up his sleeves and get to work and so he goes and he begins to, to build these walls, and, and, and out of the final product of the walls being rebuilt, the blessing was reestablished in the city of God, in Jerusalem, for God's people, that they could be back in position, in place, living their life according to God's word, so that, that, that they could walk in that blessing. And this is not necessarily what I want to teach on you, but I'm just kind of giving you some, some refreshers right now as we get into today. But we started this teaching two weeks ago uh, called Rise and Build. And we're going to just continue to take our time. And we're just going to slowly tread through the book of Nehemiah until I feel like we've gotten all the juice out of this fruit. Is that good? The juice is worth the squeeze. (laughs) So we're going to squeeze this thing. We're going to get after it. Um, So go ahead with me this morning. Turn to the book of Nehemiah. I want to take a a step into chapter 2 this morning. And uh, today's going to be a little bit more focused around teaching, and if we get excited and we preach, then we'll preach a little bit. Um, but I want to make sure that I can communicate these things that the Lord has, has, has begun to show me in this. And I think it's fascinating because in chapter 1, uh, what we spoke about was before Nehemiah went to work, he began to model or demonstrate what we all should model and demonstrate before we do a work for God. You say, what is that, Pastor? He got before the Lord in prayer and fasting. 
so I thought it was great earlier when Pastor Aaron was mentioning about we're going into the, the first week of the month, that the first lump be holy, the whole month be holy. And we've made it a point that at the beginning of the month that we want to set time aside, not just for 21 days of January, but each month we want to be in, in an intentional time of prayer and fasting. And I believe as we posture ourselves in prayer and fasting, the things that the Lord wants to do will be amplified, right? What's Ephesians 3.20 say? It says that our God is able, that's pretty good, he's an able God, to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. So whatever you've been asking and whatever you've been thinking, let me tell you, when you pray and fast, that's like gasoline on a fire. It's going to cause that thing just to burn even greater. When you pray and fast, God's going to do exceedingly greater, bigger, better than anything you could ask or think. So I challenge you as we go into this week, take some time aside. But as we see in this story of Nehemiah, he starts off through prayer and fasting. I don't want to go back through what I, what I taught on a couple of weeks ago, but he had a five-point prayer. And it was powerful that out of these five points of prayer, how it put him in position for God to begin to use him in a mighty way. And so all I want to communicate is that prayer and fasting will put you in position so that God can move in your life in a supernatural way. That God can really flourish in your life in a supernatural way. And so as we pick up today, I, I want to uh, talk to you really from, from this subject line this morning, if you're taking notes, the title that I gave for today's message as we continue the series on Rise and Build is Favor to Flourish. I want to speak to you from that title line today, Favor to Flourish. Anybody want a little favor? Anybody like a little favor on your life? There is something about when there's favor upon your life, it just, it's, 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 it's as if everything just feels so good, it's so great, everything just comes together because there's a, there's a favor, and, and, and there, by the way, there is a key to constant favor. You ever been around people that it just seems like everything always goes their way? It's like, if they were to enter into a contest to win a car, and they've already got like four or five cars, they happen to be the one that always wins the car. It's never the person that doesn't have a car that needs a car. It's the person that has everything. There's just, what is it about that favor that's upon that person that everything just goes their way? Well, I'm here to tell you it's not a secret formula. It's a God formula that's rooted in his word. And I want to talk to you from that today because there is a favor for your life to flourish in all things. Not intermittently, not seasonally, but, but there, there, there is a favor that you can walk in every single day. Every single day. And so I want to look at this because we pick up in chapter 2 of, of, of Nehemiah. And the Bible says this. Uh, I, I want to read really just uh, the first nine verses and then we're going to park it. Uh, and that's what I'm going to focus on today. Chapter 2 says this. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now when... Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. So what's happening is that Nehemiah at this point has felt the burden of the ruined walls. He's gotten this information from, from some people that have visited the homeland. They've let him know what is taking place right now. And he's feeling this burden. So he spent time already praying and fasting. And so now here he is collecting himself to go back to his, his daily job. And his job was to be a cupbearer to serve the king. So now he's in the presence of the king. And, and the king is assessing Nehemiah's situation and can see something's off. And if you try to just show up to the job and you just feel like there's some things that's not quite right and maybe there's been some situations at home, maybe you've just been in some financial trouble, maybe there's just been, you know, you got a flat tire on the way in and, and you're trying to act like you got it all together but everybody can read you like an open book. There ain't no hiding it. Here's Nehemiah. He, 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 he's called right out. The king looks at him and he was like, I can tell something is up. This is not your normal demeanor. This is not how you normally serve. So what's going on? So they enter into this dialogue. And the Bible says this, that in verse 3, and, and he said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies in waste and its gates are burned 
with fire. Verse 4, then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I always love that. Nehemiah is always introducing God into every part of the equation. I've already made this statement, but just, just as a point of encouragement, don't bring God into the problem, bring God into the plan. He said, what do you request? And before he was quick to respond, he went and he prayed, got the mind of God, so that when he responded to the king, he was responding with godly wisdom, godly understanding, and he wasn't motivated out of flesh. Sometimes we get so motivated out of flesh that we miss the very thing that God wants to release in our life, and we find ourselves coming up short in the things that we're called to do or where we're supposed to go. But when you incorporate God into the plan, and God's with you in every part of the plan, he'll give you the power to prosper. Amen. Anybody want to prosper in the room? That should be like loud shouts. Lord, I want to prosper in every area of my life. I want my family to prosper. I want my health to prosper. I want my finances to prosper. Bring God into the plan, not to the problem. First. So he says, what do you request? He prayed, verse 5, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, there's the key word, if found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, and that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will, you, how long will your journey be, and when will you return? And so it pleased the king to send me. Isn't that great? It pleased the king to send him. And I set him a time, furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governor's region beyond the river. In other words, I need permission slips so that I can get from where I am to where I need to go without being uh, held up. I need some permission slips. Anybody need some permission slips in the room? Anybody like some permission slips in the room? Anybody would like to know that, that the favor of God is upon your life in such capacity when the enemy tries to get you out of standstill, when he tries to get you out of complete stop, when he, when, when, when he tries to put hurdles and speed bumps and mountains in, in front of you, you've got a permission slip, which by the way, it is the living word of God. It's the living word of God. This is your permission slip that's going to give you a rite of passage. Some of you need to be reminded of that. I've got the living word of God. It's my rite of passage for me to be who God has called me to be and, and be able to possess what God said that I could possess. So Nehemiah is there and he, and he says, you know, I need, I need this permission slip. And he also says in verse 8, I need a, I need a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, because we're going to need some materials. We need some resources to rebuild these walls. Now here's what I want you to look at, last part of verse 8, and then we'll park it. It says this here. And the king granted them to me, these were the requests of Nehemiah, and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And the king granted Nehemiah's request according to the good hand of God that was upon him. I want you to make a note of that and we're going to come back to that in a moment. There is something that's happening here that, 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 that is taking place with Nehemiah. He is in the presence of the king. The king's looking at his situation and, and the king begins to, to, to question him about what's going on. And what we find out is that Nehemiah found favor with the king. And over their interaction, the favor that was released in Nehemiah's life was favor that now allowed Nehemiah to fulfill the purpose that God had for Nehemiah. I want to tell you this, that favor upon your life is to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. The favor for your life, or the favor that God has for your life, is for, for you to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And so as we look at favor today, I want to give you five functions of favor. I want to give you five functions of favor. Two weeks ago, I gave you five prayer points. Today, I want to give you five functions of prayer. I want to try and go through these and, 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 and talk through them as we look at this this morning. But I want to say this is that, number one, that favor, it's cultivated through fellowship. Favor is cultivated through fellowship. The word fellowship is not you meeting up with your bestie over a cup of coffee at the cafe. That is a type of 
fellowship, but godly fellowship, true Christian fellowship, godly fellowship, is it, the word fellowship means it's the exchange of life. Fellowship means it's the exchange of life. It's not just the few moments that we're chattering, you know, in the lobby before and after service, which that's good. That's community. That, that helps, you know, establish and build relationships. But true godly fellowship is the iron that sharpens iron. It's that what I have will influence you just as much as what you have will influence me. There is an exchange of life that is taking place. Nehemiah is serving at the right hand of the king, and, and they spend so much time together, there is an exchange of life. You say, but he was a servant and that was a king. It was his job. Has anyone ever gone to a restaurant, not because the food was such amazing quality, but the service was exceptional? It had you come back? There, 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 there's restaurants over the years my wife would frequent, not because they had, you know, the number one top-rated, you know, burger in town. I like a good burger. Okay, I'm the only one on that one. Cool. <laughs> thinking about food. Have you guys not noticed this? Food comes up in like every sermon. <laughs> food, family, faith. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Don't clap. Faith, family, food. There you go, now clap. Got to get it right. So, man, we, we, we will go to these restaurants, not because they got the best burger in town, but, man, the person who is serving is selling it, I mean, to the point that they're taking interest in our kids. And every time we come back, you know, they even remember their names. And we got this one place that we go to. It's not a, it's not a burger joint, um, but it is a restaurant that we go to. And the waitress, even if she is not designated to the section that we're in, she'll figure out how to be designated to the section that we're in. We tip them well as also. But think about that in that context. They're taking interest by serving us. We're taking interest in our response, and it's an exchange of life. Nehemiah, through fellowship with the king, there's an exchange of life. And so out of that exchange of life, the, the, there is a trust that begins to, to become formed that's there. Think about true, true, true favor, or maybe you were in a moment where things were challenging and, and you needed favor in a pinch. You had somebody that you could call because of relationship. I actually had that recently. <laughs> uh, for Christmas, we wanted to do something fun for the kids. What was that? Let's buy them a swing set. Let's build a swing set. Guess who doesn't know how to build a swing set? <laughs> this guy. But guess who knew a guy that knew how to build a swing set? <laughs> Russ over here in the front helped me out. I called him up. I was like, dude, seriously, I don't know what I'm doing right now, and this is going to be a mess. And I thought about calling somebody, and I had another situation, too, that I hit him up for. I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. Who do I call? And he laughs at me on the phone, and he says, you have a Russell. That's who you call. <laughs> but the reality is this, is that at a fellowship, out of the exchange of life, out of a good godly familiarity, we talk about familiarity is not your, your friend and that's true, but, but I believe that there can be a type of good godly familiarity through fellowship and exchange of life where the iron is sharpening iron and out of those moments people are able to supply to one another. That's the picture of, of the church in the book of Acts. They supplied to their needs one another. They all didn't have the same needs. They all had different needs and out of fellowship, out of the exchange of life, the church was built. This is the same thing with Nehemiah. At a fellowship with the king, guess what? The walls were able to be built. There is something about fellowship that allows you to be able to cultivate favor. So favor is cultivated in fellowship. Check this out. David cultivated so much favor from God because David's posture before the Lord wasn't give me, give me, give me, God, I need, I need, I need. If you go through the book of Psalms, David was always about my trust is in you, your glory, your awesome. He always was talking about the greatness of God. And in, 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 in all of that too, you know, he would dialogue with the Lord. There was a fellowship 
that David had with God out of that. When David passed away, there was so much favor that was stored up for future generations, favor was cashed out. If you go throughout the book of Kings and Chronicles and you begin to read when kings would begin to sin and get away from God, the Lord would say, but for my servant David's sake, I will release favor. You can store up so much favor through fellowship with God that future generations can walk in the favor because you are willing to do what was right today. Generations receive the impact of favor through fellowship with God. In this case here, Nehemiah, he has fellowship with the king, and so favor is cultivated. Favor is released. The second thing, or the second function I want to I say is this, is that favor is driven by mercy and truth. Favor is driven by mercy and truth. True, godly favor, it's rooted in mercy and truth. The Bible says this. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 3 this morning. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 3 says this. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Verse 4 says this. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of of God and man. Mercy in truth is what allows you to access favor first from God, then man. If you are chasing favor from man, you will always find yourself coming up short. But if you seek favor from God, Proverbs 12, 2 says, a good man obtains favor from his family? No. Good man obtains favor from his job? No. A good man obtains favor from his success? No. A good man, according to Proverbs 12, 2 says, that he obtains favor from the Lord. So favor comes from the Lord, but the way that favor is released from God is through mercy and truth. Mercy is to have compassion and loving kindness towards one another, towards God. Mercy is a, is a type of love and compassion. Any miracle that Jesus did in the Gospels, if you go back and read it, it always starts with some type of line that says, and he was moved with compassion. He was moved out of mercy. There was a favor that was upon Christ's life that he wanted to bestow upon others that were sick, that were broken, that were in bondage. And out of his compassion, the miracle of loaves and fish took place. Out of his compassion, blind eyes were opened. Out of his compassion, deaf ears were opened. Out of his compassion, people that were far from God encountered God. Out of his compassion, the blessing was released upon people. If you want to know the key to having favor for your life, it's got to be rooted in mercy. Matthew 5, 7 says this. Blessed is the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, I shared this in a teaching uh, last year, but in this attitude that Jesus teaches, it is the only attitude in which what you sow is what you're going to get back. The pure in heart, you see God. Hunger and thirst, you shall be filled. But those that are sowing mercy are going to receive mercy. Mercy is a favor. So if you want more favor in your life, you got to give favor. If you want to see the favor of God move in your life, it means that you have to walk with a compassion, with a love, with, 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 with this heart to serve one another. Which, by the way, favor, it is also driven by service. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But Proverbs 3 says, mercy and truth, those are the keys, watch this, to obtain favor from God and high esteem. Why high esteem? What's high esteem? It's respect. Let me see how I can put this. There's nothing, I think, more alarming than somebody that's got so much favor that they're the biggest person in the room and they walk around 
with a type of uh, pride about that, it's a turn off. They're not very respected. They're respected in the fact that they might be successful, but they're not respected in the fact that I want to do life with you. The Bible says that it, it, it's favor and high esteem. So when we look at verse 3, he says mercy and truth. Truth is integrity. Truth is, is a loyalty. Truth is a trust. Truth is not that it was me that got success, but truth is that I trusted the Lord God who gave me success. It is a humility. So mercy, having compassion... Truth, which is a, is a, is a trust, it's a loyalty, it's, it's a humility in my life, that's what gives me godly favor. Because the favor of God will be turned off of your life the moment you move from a place of humility to a place of pride. Because now you think it's you and not God that's in you. Mercy and truth is really love and loyalty. Love and loyalty is... Essentially, the two things the Lord said throughout the entire Bible, if you want to walk in blessing, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Do not depart from this book of the law. That's your, that's your truth. That's your loyalty. Your love, your loyalty, your mercy, your truth. Y'all tracking with me on this morning. I want to teach you through this because some of you are wondering, how come I'm not seeing the favor of God in my life? Do you have a heart for others and are you walking according to God's word? Love, loyalty. Mercy, truth, it, it, this is the keys that open up the favor of God and allows you to be respectable before others. So when we look at Nehemiah, Nehemiah is driven by mercy and truth. What was his agenda? His agenda was, I don't want favor for me. I want favor for God to use me to build a great work for him. My heart is that we can build a great work for the people to be able to gather together and worship the Lord. He was driven by mercy, but he was also driven by truth. He was consistent. He was constant. Every time, and we'll, as weeks progress, we'll talk about the adversities that came against Nehemiah. But Nehemiah did not bend his knee. He did not bow his head to the governors or the authorities of the world. He remained steadfast in the word of God and in his prayers and in his fasting. And that's why he prevailed. His truth. That's why Jesus says that the truth will set you free. That's a good statement to make, but the truth means that you actually have to trust the truth. And you yourself have to remain loyal to the truth. The truth is the truth, but you're not going to be able to experience the truth if you're not trusting the truth, if you're not loyal to the truth, and if you're not walking out the truth. So Nehemiah, he is, he, he's driven by this mercy and truth. The, the, the favor, and I want you to, to mark this down, Favor is not about self-promotion. It's service. Favor is not, is not found in self-promotion. It's in service. Now, promotion of self can happen when favor's upon your life. But favor is in service first. It's the heart of the servant that gains favor of God. In um, 2 Chronicles 32, there's a story about Hezekiah. Hezekiah finds himself becoming so blessed and so prosperous that he thought it was him. And he forgot about the Lord. And he got sick into his body. He lost sight of the service that he, and the responsibility that he had. So here he is against the wall and he's crying out to God and he's humbling himself. And the Lord gives him the extension of life. He got so caught up in his own self-promotion that he forgot that the favor was really for the purpose. The purpose of what God's assigned you to do in this earth. So favor is not for self-promotion, but favor is for your purpose. I want to say this, favor is a problem solver, by the way. Favor is a problem solver. The purpose that God has for your life... This can be such a, a loaded question when you're asking people. I don't know what the purpose is for my life. That's such a big question. What is my why? I need a bunch of self-help books to figure out how to figure out what my why is. Purpose is anything that you can add value to. 
wherever there's a need and you see it and you recognize it and you know it and you say, I've got the solution, there's your purpose. Sometimes we put purpose in this such big glorified bracket of it's the one thing I'm supposed to accomplish in life. No, there's many things you're supposed to accomplish in life. And there'll be some great things and there might be some smaller things. But your purpose is anything that you add value to. So if anything that you add value to is based upon a need that, that, is, that is at hand, then that means favor is a problem solver. You are to be a problem solver. You are to be purpose-driven, not focused on the self. And, and Nehemiah, is, he's purpose-driven. He sees the problem, the walls, they need to be rebuilt. I see the need, favor upon my life. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a problem solver, and I'm going to go out, and we're going to make something happen. This week, you're going to go out with the favor of God, and you're going to make something happen. You're not going to complain anymore. You're not going to argue anymore. You're not going to go around being the victim anymore. Like, guys, stop. Stop being a victim. I'll pause it right here. I'm, I, I'm dead serious. Because when people look at the church, they don't want to see a bunch of victims gathered together. They want to see a bunch of victorious people gathered together. So you need to go out this week and see yourself as value added. You need to see yourself as an answer to a problem. You need to, you need to see yourself favorable, highly favored. Highly favored. Not somewhat favored, not a little bit favored. You're highly favored. The favor of God to be upon your life and, and it's revealed when you're active in your purpose. So get to work. Let's build something great. When you look at this idea that favor, it, it's, it's, it's not self-promotion. It, it's, it's about being active in your purpose. I, and I said highly favored because I think about Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. The angel encounters her, and, and what does he say to her? He says, you're blessed and highly favored. And, and he goes on, and he begins to note about the favor of the Lord that was upon her life. And what was that favor for? To be able to bring into this earth the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now she didn't get to keep Jesus in her arms and at home all the days of her life. It wasn't about what she got to. Now I understand, you know, for those of you like, yeah, but we all get Jesus. Now I know that, but for this moment in the gospel, she had a purpose and a favor upon her life for that purpose, and that was to usher in the Christ in as the Son of Man into this earth. There was there was a purpose that was at hand. King Solomon, I love King Solomon. If you go back in, in, in his early days and before he builds the temple, and the Bible says that he made a, a burnt sacrifice of like a thousand animals. Talk about a significant seed. Brother, was prime time for a harvest of epic proportion. So he, he, he has this offering, this sacrifice that he makes to the Lord, and the Lord encounters him in a dream, and the Lord says, Solomon... What is it that you request? Solomon says, in the same way that you delighted my father, I need you to delight in me in order to be able to lead the people. So God's saying, okay, so what does that look like to you? He said, I need wisdom and knowledge. Not wisdom and knowledge to be a know-it-all, wisdom and knowledge to be able to influence and lead your people. See, he didn't make it about himself. He made it about service. Lord, I want to serve your people well by leading them with a godly mind and a godly heart. And so God says, out of this request, because you did not ask for riches and long life and, and all of these other things, it will be so. You will have wisdom and knowledge and all these things will be the result because your heart remained steadfast. Your heart was pure in this request. You sought after favor for how you could serve people. Listen, all the things that you would love to see transact into your life, whether it be riches, earthly things, spiritual blessings, families restored, all of those things that's on your long godly Amazon Prime list that you're waiting to check out with, all of that is, all of that, all of that is the result of you saying, okay, I'm going to have a heart to serve. 
See, this is why when people, specifically at church, when they begin to serve, they become very blessed. This is why it's so important to serve. Uh Uh-oh, pastor's talking about how we need to get involved with the ministries. Yeah, absolutely you do. We need more people in our parking lot. We need more people to serve as ushers. We need more people in children's ministry. We need more people serving. I don't know how many times we talk about that up here, but here's the thing. When you serve out of that, God will begin to bless you in every area of your life. Because what you're doing is, number one, you're rooting yourself in fellowship with one another, so there's the exchange of life. You're driven by mercy and truth because now you have the compassion to serve. You're not thinking about yourself. And so now out of that, you're postured and primed for favor of God to be richly, richly upon your life. Oh, man, you got something. You got an attitude, Pastor. (laughs) I got no attitude. I just want to see the people of God blessed, prosperous, purposeful, building a great work. But we got to do this thing together, guys. Nehemiah, we're going to find out, he realizes he ain't going to build the wall by himself. He's got to do it with other people. We got to do it together. We got to be greater together. We got to be better together. And we got to be purpose driven. Favor, it is the purpose for your life. Number four, favor, it's going to cost you. Favor will cost you. <laughs> Favor costed Nehemiah from sitting at the king's table or serving at the king's table to now going to work on the broken temple. Nehemiah, it costed him. His position, by the way, was a very cushy position. He was never in want. He was never in need. He probably had, like, fresh clothes every day probably had fresh sneakers every day. He probably had like one of those guys that you ever see their sneaker collections on the YouTube, you know, and it's like, dude, he probably had every pair of prime sneakers, mint, in box, enclosed, in an acrylic glass case, <laughs> still smelling like Foot Locker. How does that even happen? I don't know. Nehemiah was not hurting. He had a good life. He got to serve at the pleasure of the earthly king, which means he was never in want, but he was willing to forgo his position for the purpose of what God was sending him to do. And out of it, he was actually more blessed and more favored because he was willing to count the cost. So favor is going to cost you, but, but here's what I want you to, 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 to see it as, because favor... And costing you is like in John 12 when Mary, Martha's sister, came into the room where Jesus was sitting. And the Bible says in John 12, 3 that she took the costly fragrance, the alabaster jar, and she broke it. Okay? She took what was most precious of hers and she was willing to break it open at a service for Jesus. Now John 12, 3, I just want to read this. It says this, Mary took the costly oil, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. In other words, as Mary breaks open this costly oil, this fragrance, and begins not out of what she can get, but out of what she can give, begins to anoint Jesus, that oil begins to splash back on her and everyone else in the house, which means the very thing that she was serving by pouring out is the very thing that was coming back on her. When you allow your life and the favor of God to be upon your life to serving others, favor of God comes back on your life. It said the whole house smelled of the fragrance of the room. As oil was poured out, oil was coming back. As favor goes out, favor comes back. Are you you catching this this morning? But it's going to cost you. What part of you needs to be broken open? Because we get so guarded. We we, we, We get 
so almost disconnected and, and so, we, well, this thing, it's so precious, I, 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 could, I could never give this away. Whatever you can't give away is your God. Whatever you can't release out of your life, it's the master of your life. 2017, we were having camp meeting with Brother Ted here, and one of their bass players, uh, he goes by the name Big John, love Big John, he's a great bass player. Uh, we were at the camp meeting and I was, I was wearing this watch that I had bought, and uh, it was a very nice watch. And um, he looked at me and he goes, that's a very nice watch. And I was like, yeah, it's cool, you know, I'm, I'm, it's cool. <laughs> See, I got a watch story too. It's so, I got, I haven't shared this till now. It's a good one. And so I, I, we were backstage. He took note of it, and I didn't think anything of it. And I got home, and the Lord said, you're going to give Big John that watch. What? Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, it was nice. It was like, it was like a stainless steel Mont Blanc watch. Yeah, it wasn't cheap, man. This wasn't coming out of no gumball machine. <laughs> so the Lord said, you need to give it to him. So I was like, ah, ah. So I went home, I got the box, the papers, I cleaned it up, I polished it, I put it in the box. And so I'm, I'm walking through the back of the auditorium, and, um, and he's coming over this way, and I'm coming out that way. And, uh, and I look at him, and I'm just holding this box, and um, I threw it at him. He caught it, and I just kept going. And he looked at it and he goes, what, what, what? No, no, no. I was like, John, I can't look back. If I will, I'll turn into a pillar of salt. I can't do it. I can't do it. My miracle's ahead of me, not behind me. I can't do it. I just, I just kept on going. But when I gave it, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, you know what? I've never asked this. I've never done this. But I'm not an idiot. I know the house that I was raised in. <laughs> I said, Lord, I want a Rolex. <laughs> that was in 2017. 2017. So, you know, I mean, I've got like a Pinterest board of all kinds of Rolex watches that I'm looking at. Every now and then I'll, uh, I'll shoot an email to my wife and I'll just say, for my 40th birthday, for this year's birthday, how about I wake up tomorrow and it's here? Um, so, you know, so, so, so time goes on. So a buddy of mine was in town and, and he, he and I were both kind of into watches and we're talking and, um, and he was just like, hey man, you know, what's the top, you know, favorite watches? And I just rattled off a whole bunch of different ones. But there was one in there that really was a bucket list watch. So time went on, and about a year and a half went on, and um, we were getting ready for our ordination service last year, um, where me and Pastor Aaron stepped in now as senior leadership, and uh, he came in a few days early, and, uh, and he said, hey, man, I just want to get together and hang out with you. I said, okay. So we said, can you meet me at this place? So he sends me the location pin, and I'm like, hold on a second. You're taking me to a watch store that we know the people that own the place. How do you know this place? So we show up there, and um, he says to me, he goes, he goes, you're stepping into this new position, and blessings are going to be on top of blessings for your life. Are you able to receive it? I'm looking at myself, yes. <laughs> but I didn't know what that was going to entail, honestly. I, I thought it was going to be something, something totally different. And so we walk in, and... Uh, the family that we know that owns the watch and the jewelry store um, looks at me and kind of gives, the, the, the owner uh, kind of gives me like a smirk and then looks over at my friend and gives him a smirk and I was like, how do y'all know each other? What's up? And so he goes and he, he pulls out this very exact Rolex box with the Rolex that was like a bucket list Rolex in that box and he said, it's time for you to be blessed. It was the very thing in 2017 that was just out of a, hmm, 
You know, it's one, maybe one day, maybe one day, years from now. And he said, I want to bless you with this. And I, I had a broken, like I was breaking in that moment. And I, we both kind of were like crying a little bit. And I said, the thing is, you don't understand where this story started. It actually started in 2017. Because there was favor that was released into one person's life. And so now favor was splashed back into my life. You say, Pastor, you're up there talking about your Rolexes. I don't have, not plural, it's one. As of right now. A pastor can dream. But, but the principle of the matter is this, because you can sit there and just be like, oh, how dare he talks about this and that. You know what? Then fine. Then don't have favor in your life. But when I'm willing to sow favor, I'm going to get it back. And my house is going to flourish in favor. My family is going to flourish in favor. My future is going to flourish in favor. Favor, it's going to cost you. Favor is going to cost you. Favor costed Nehemiah. But now check this out, the last point this morning. Favor, it's found, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's message, it's found in God. Favor is found in God. And the reason why favor is found in God is because favor of God is what divinely influences the hearts of people around you. The favor of God will influence, divinely influence, the hearts of people around you. And so when I'm walking in favor and I'm sowing in favor, God will move upon the hearts of man. God will move upon the hearts of women. God will move upon the hearts of people. That's why he says in Proverbs Proverbs 3, 4, you will find favor in God and in man. It will move from the supernatural bank account into the natural bank account. And so when I pursue favor of God, it can be released in the favor of man. Nehemiah's prayer was, Lord... This man that I serve, the king, paraphrasing Nehemiah 1 at the end, he says, let him show mercy towards me. He's talking about the king. I need the king to show mercy towards me. Now, there's something that's very interesting. Here, here's the, oh, man, here's, here's the cool nugget. Can I, can I share with you the nugget of this chapter 2? This is mind-blowing. I'm sorry, I'm going to be like a, like a child in a toy store right now. This is mind-blowing when I saw this. In verse 6 of chapter 2, as the king begins to ask Nehemiah to make his request, and, 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 and he says, if you found favor in me, and you know, I want to go and build the tombs, verse 6 says this, then the king said to me, then the king said to me, if we can get this on the screen, I want, I want you guys to see this. Chapter 2, verse 6. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting by his side. Do you see that? The king said to me, the queen also sitting by his side. Y'all know who that queen is? That queen is Esther. Nehemiah... Nehemiah is praying for favor. He's in the presence of the king, but God used a woman who counted the cost and who gave her life for the people of God, and her favor became transferred to the king's heart, and out of the king's heart, now favor was released into Nehemiah. <laughs> This powerful woman who was willing to count the cost, 
who began to store up. See, her mission was not just that, that, that the people of God would, 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 would be killed when she stepped in, but she could have easily walked away from her position after they were all saved, but she remained for such a time as this. And Nehemiah comes in, and he makes his request with the king and the queen sitting together. And that queen, I can totally see her saying, hey, make it happen. Make it happen for him. Let's go. And Nehemiah, he could have requested anything he wanted at that point. He could have asked for anything and he would have had it at that point. But the fact was that he sought God for favor and not man. And because he sought God for favor, God divinely influenced the hearts of the people that were around him. When you seek God for favor, God will divinely influence the hearts of people that are around you. There's something about knowing the favor of God is for you. There's something about knowing that serving will open the door to favor for your life. There's something about knowing that when I come to God and I, and I trust him, if you go on and read Proverbs 3, and I'm going to close with this. If you go on and read Proverbs 3, after verses 3 and 4, when you get into 5, it starts talking about now. Now trust the Lord God with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. And as that whole passage of Proverbs 3 begins to unfold, it continues to go on and it talks about the fruitfulness and the blessing. And, 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 it, and it talks about how the Lord will move in your life all when you're willing to pursue favor but it's found in God we trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life for more information about our ministry please visit us on our website abundantlife.tv or follow us on Instagram at abundantlife underscore TV and Facebook at come to life and remember God is a good God he loves you and he wants to bless you